What's up, everybody? Fred Ricciani, the Sports Courier Podcast, fredricciani.com. We appreciate you tuning in for this week's TSC Podcast with the Godfather, Deddy B. Hall of Famer, Papa Shango, Charles Wright, whatever you want to call him. We had a great conversation a few months back. It seems like a lifetime ago because this interview was recorded before the George Floyd tragedy and civil rights protests and a few weeks before the COVID-19 outbreak. So literally a completely different universe. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I hope you enjoy the conversation. But I know there's a lot going on right now in the real world. We know Black Lives Matter. We know that systemic white supremacy has permeated through so many facets of our lives. It's affected people of color, especially black people. And we got to be there for our black brothers and sisters. So for everybody right now that's taking the time to listen to this podcast, first and foremost, I love you guys. And I thank you so much for your support. Secondly, if you want to contribute, maybe you don't want to protest, maybe you've already protested, maybe you're looking for other ways to contribute. I'll be linking a number of resources in the description of this podcast on my website as well. Pretty much on every article on fredrichani.com at the top, there's a link to a Black Lives Matter website that has a number of resources for petitions, donations, education, you name it, it's all there. But just right now off the top of my head, a couple websites I'd like you guys to check out. Blacklivesmatter.com, easy enough to remember, right? Blacklivesmatter.com. It has resources on protesting, educational information, and of course, a link for donations. And there's also one of my personal favorite charities, the Your Rights Camp from Colin Kaepernick, which not only educates people on de-escalating situations at law enforcement and helping them know their rights, but it also is currently building a massive legal defense fund. You can visit knowyourrightscamp.com. That is knowyourrightscamp.com. Just a couple organizations I support. There's also the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which bails out people that have also been incarcerated due to protesting. Just a few that I'll be linking in the description to keep that in mind. I don't want to ignore what's going on in the real world. If I'm being completely honest with you guys, I feel like what I do is so insignificant compared to what's going on in the real world. But at the end of the day, I do have a platform of well over 17,000 subscribers. We do have a weekly TV show here in New York City on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. So best believe that while we are going to keep creating content, while we do still have a job to do, we are going to be doing our best to not only amplify black voices, but black causes and make sure that black lives will one day truly matter in this country and around the world. So please sit back, relax, enjoy this interview with The Godfather. And once again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this. Until next time, everybody, as always, enjoy the matches and this interview. What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC. We have right here on the line, not just a very special guest. He is a Hall of Fame guest, a WWE Hall of Famer, former Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, a man who has had wrestling success spanning decades. We are talking to the legendary Charles Wright, better known as the Godfather. Godfather, how's it going? What's up, Fred? Man, just sitting here in Las Vegas, chilling, my man. What are you up to these days? Well, uh, I'm not wrestling, of course, anymore. I put that away. I'm still doing some shows every now and then where I'm doing the signings. But uh, I had a, I sold my stake at a club out here called Cheetahs. And so now I'm uh, hosted at one of the clubs out here called the Spearmint Rhino uh, on Sundays. And I'm kind of like the godfather out there where I'm hosting <laughs> my own little room out there. And it's a, a pretty cool, cool situation. But it's called the Spearmint Rhino. And then I do my little shows on the weekend and I, Chill a lot with the families and the dogs. You know, man, just chilling, really chilling, just relaxing, enjoying life. You've had a lot of incarnations uh, of yourself in wrestling. I think the notable ones, of course, are The Godfather, 
Kama Mustafa with the Nation of Domination. Papa Shango, you've done a lot of fun things. You've done a lot of weird things. Was there ever a point in time where you had to tell Vince McMahon, all right, that's a little too weird or out there for me? No, not at all. Not with me, man, because it was a job for me. It was a fun job, and it was, Vince was the boss. What do you want? Let's get it done the best we can. I didn't have time to bitch and complain about things or worry about if it was silly or, man, I am so far from a voodoo, man. It's not funny. I was more of a, a biker cowboy when they gave me that gimmick. And, you know, I just tried to do the best that I could with it. Really never worried about it. I just basically tried to do the best I could do with the, what they gave me. Now, from what I understand, you had a football background, right? You played for Nevada as an offensive tackle? Well, that's a long story that it would take up an hour. <laughs> but basically, I was a basketball player in high school. I was a basketball player. And uh, I... Uh, the college one year on a basketball scholarship and I started lifting weights and I put on about 80 pounds. And then when I was in high school, you know, my uh, parents wouldn't sign the form to let me play football. So I played basketball. So then I got a long story short, somebody from the university of Nevada, Reno, he knew me from the college that I was going to. And, uh, he knew that I was hanging out in the weight room, hanging out with the football players. So they uh, flew me out to Nevada uh, they put a basketball in my hand. I'm now I'm six five. I'm 290 pounds. I'm bench pressing 400 pounds. Never playing football before in my life. Never playing organized tackle football in my life. They gave me scholarship. Maybe offensive tackle. That's the story. Can you believe that? <laughs> and never playing tackle football in my life. Had a full ride scholarship. Such a good athlete. That, that's that's pretty incredible, and, and from what I understand, uh, shortly thereafter, a little, a little while after you were, were you were you working at a bar, or were you just having to be noticed at a bar by wrestlers, which was, led to your big break? Um, <laughs> I was working at a topless club in Vegas, and uh, they <laughs> were course. filming a movie. Yeah, imagine that, dude. My whole <laughs> life has been in, my whole life, ever since even played football in Reno, is I've always been in topless clubs. I've always had something to do with topless clubs. At all times, at all times. And so I was working at it. I was managing a club in Vegas called The Crazy Horse. And they were filming a movie called Over the Top with Arnold, uh, or Sylvester Stallone. You remember that movie? Yeah. Arm wrestling movie. Whatever. I think Scott Norton was in it. There were some other wrestlers in it as extras. Uh, they would come to my bar. And uh, there, at that time, I was just a monster. But I, like I said, I was more of a cowboy biker. And uh, they're like, dude, you should become a wrestler. And I knew a little bit about it. But when I was younger, man, roller derby was in the Bay Area. Roller derby was much bigger than wrestling. And we all used to go to roller derby. So uh, anyway, uh, we made some calls. They flew me out to New Jersey. Next thing I know, I'm in the ring with Jerry Lawler, you know. And uh, just things escalated really fast. Started at the world-famous Monster Factory, led to uh, Jerry Lawler's territory in uh, USWA. And then you eventually made your way to, the at the time, the World Wrestling Federation, uh, eventually became Papa Shango. You were still a relatively young guy at that point. What was it like kind of being in the locker room with some of those heavy hitters like Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Macho Man, Randy Savage? Was it, was it overwhelming at all for you? It wasn't overwhelming to me because probably, like I said, we were uh, roller derby fans. We knew who these guys were, but, dude, I've always been around some really crazy people. And none of those wrestlers, half the wrestlers weren't as crazy as half my friends. 
And being a, a, a black biker with tattoos back in that day, dude, I'm telling you, I was around some characters that would make most modern day rest, wrestlers just look. So it wasn't no big thing to me. To me, it was just I was around personalities that were just like mine. And, and you were around some dudes that, that were just like you, and, and you, you had great chemistry with them. The Nation of Domination, which I think is one of the criminally, most criminally underrated factions of all time in professional wrestling. But man, you guys all made an impact individually and collectively. Whose idea was it to put you guys all together? Uh, I don't know how they actually got started. I got put in there. For, uh, I was actually coming back as Papa Shango. As I came to TV, I got a call or somebody said, hey, Vince wants to talk to you. I went in there with Vince and Vince has basically said, change your plans. And I was supposed to come back as Papa Shango that night. And they said, we're, uh, we're going to call you. We're going to put you in the nation of domination. You and Ron Simmons are going to wrestle the undertaker in a handicap night match. And you're going to go over. And I'm like, what, wait, what, what, what? And I have my bag is full of voodoo and I've got, I've lost weight and I've got everything. They gave me an outfit and, uh, yeah, that's how that went. That's how I got put into the nation. And that's when I, I now I knew who Ron Simmons was from wrestling, but more from football when he played college football. And so, uh, I have the first time meeting Ron and, uh, yeah, I just really clicked with him and we became great friends. And yeah, not underrated. It is what it is. But most of the everybody in that group, you know, went on and did bigger and better things. You know, especially The Rock. That's right. The Rock, Ron Simmons, the the, the first Black World Champion in modern wrestling history. Yourself, Debbie Hall of Famer. Another guy yeah. I think is underrated. D'Lo Brown was a stud back in the day too. Mark Henry later became world champion. Yeah. I mean, look at almost everybody. Well, as soon as we get D'Lo in there, you know, The Rock will go in anytime he wants. Uh, you'll have everybody in that group basically at the end that. I think that made the nation. Everybody will be in the Hall of Fame. So who woke up one day and said, you know what? The, the, this militant badass guy in the nation domination is cool, but you know what, Charles? We're going to make you a pimp. No, that, you, you know what? You're not going to believe this, but that was all my wife's idea. She's that a keeper. That was my wife's idea. And she and I was like, because in my business, man, back in the day, we used to beat the hell out of pimps every, you know, every day. We wouldn't allow them in the club. So I hated pimps. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to be no pimp. And they're like, you know, baby. And my wife's like, no, you got to listen to me. We got to let your personality out and stop trying to be this and that. And just be yourself. And you know what to do. And uh, my wife came up with the outfits. Uh, she helped. Uh, you know what? I came up with the Godfather of the Sayings on the back of the vest and the little funny stuff I did. But all the costumes, the hats, the coats, outfits, my wife, the gold. She, We had a full-time jeweler making us gold, and we had a full-time seamstress making me outfits. Because once I wore something on TV, I didn't wear it on TV again, so I put them in the house show. It was it was crazy, man. That was all my my wife even made the glasses, all those wild looking glasses. She made those. So all I did was just the silly part, you know. Damn, she's the real MVP. No, she is. No, she is, man. That that, that that's a, that's amazing. So was there any kind of apprehension from Vince McMahon and, and anybody else in, in creative at that time when you're like, Yeah, you know, I don't want to do this this uh, nation of domination thing anymore. I want to be a pimp. Did, were they taken aback or did they kind of accept it well, considering they, back time, then it was an attitude yeah, at this, era? At, at this time, Rock was kind of taking over the nation. It was me, him, and Mark Henry, Delo. 
And they weren't they weren't really doing nothing with me. And at that point, I started growing my hair, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, my, my hair grows fast as it is, and I'm like, I'm going to grow an afro. And, and I just started and basically how I dressed normally is how I would just go to the ring because I wasn't wrestling. I was just walking people to the ring, and I start growing my hair. And then one day, somebody's like, Godfather, braid your hair, or you know, they call me, don't you braid your hair, man? So I start braiding my hair, and I'm just going out, and my hair is growing. And then people started calling me like, hey, Godfather, you're a pimp. And I'm like, well, what do you mean I'm a pimp? And I guess with the hair, they thought I was a pimp. And it, and so one day, I, and me and my wife now, we were thinking about ideas and thinking about things to do. And I'm one day, me and Bradshaw are wrestling each other now. And I'm he's Bradshaw and I'm comma. Nobody gives a crap. We're wrestling popcorn match. Nobody really cares about us. And so... Uh, you know, we're out there beating the hell out of each other for 10 minutes and people are sitting on their hands. They could care less about the match. So I'll make a long story short. So one day I'm like, John, let's try something. I think we were in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell people what I am. And then I said, I'm going to offer you some girls. You walk away. And then at some point you turn back around, you give me that lariat. And then I'm going to say some other crap. And he's like, what? I'm like, come on, let's try it. So we asked Jack Lanza, who's the agent. And he says, fine. So I basically go out there with the people now. Now I've got long braids and, you know, I got a little bit of gold on. And, and I'm like, you know what, everybody, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm a pimp. <laughs> and right then the people kind of laughed, just like you kind of laughed. I said, but what you don't know is right here in Louisville, man, they got some of the best hoes ever born. And the people are popping now. And then I start pointing out people anyway. Johnny would, I'd offer John some girls. I didn't even have girls. I would offer John some girls. We'd do a whole little scene. He would walk away. I'd turn and start healing on the people about stupid rednecks. Next thing I know, John would come back. They'd bust me. I'd turn around with all my gear on, the hat, the glasses, what I had at the time. He'd hit me with the lariat. One, two, three. I would jump up, grab the mic, and say, man, pimping ain't easy. And when I did that, the place would pop. So now we went from beating the hell out of each other for 10 minutes and not getting anything to having the people for 10 minutes and not doing a damn thing. That That's pretty incredible. I mean, that really puts a meaning to the, the phrase you hear in wrestling, less is more, right? Yeah. And we had the and So then uh, Vince heard about it right away because right away you knew you had something. And then Vince at TV says, Charles, you think you could put some girls to it? And so I'm like, are you joking me, man? So me and Taker and uh, the Harris twins. And so we went out to a topless club, got some girls, uh, put them on TV, and it just took off. And we just kind of started adding things to it, and just uh, it took off fast. And, I mean, overnight it just blew up when we put the girls on TV with the little act that I was doing. So, so hang on a sec. You're obviously getting paid a salary from WWE. And I'm, I'm sure you were making a lot more money in the Attitude Era because you were getting over and getting some of the biggest pops of the night. I mean, you were you were very over back then. On top of that, right. you're commissioning somebody to give, provide you gold jewelry. On top of that, you're commissioning somebody, a, a seamstress, to provide you new outfits all the time. On top of that, right. Vince McMahon is spending money to add various women to your, quote, hoe train on a nightly basis. So, right. so how much would you estimate this, for lack of a better term, this gimmick cost you over like, I don't know, per month or per year. Do you have like a rough estimate? I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, it, it, it was, 
I have no idea. I couldn't throw no numbers at you. You'd have to ask mine. It, it was well worth it. How about that? Yeah. That, got you in the Hall of Fame and you made good money, right? <laughs> you know what? I, what I say about the WWE, because I've been on the uh, Legends contract since, I think, 2004. And God bless them, man. To this day, they really take care of me. I just got a royalty check just a couple weeks ago. And believe me, God bless them. It's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> Now, you eventually, uh, of course, became the good father, right to censor, went back to the godfather, career started to wind down a bit, and years later, 2016, you got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I know it gets some flack sometimes to say, this guy should be in, that guy should be out, so on and so forth, but what was it like for you as a performer, as somebody that worked for Vince McMahon for many years to finally get that due? Hey, uh, it was an honor, you know, it's... It was an honor. Did I think I was going in? No. Do I think I deserved to be in? Yeah, I think so. I made them a lot of money and brought them a lot of ratings. And I was involved with a lot of cool from the Ultimate Warrior to the Nation of Domination to the Godfather to, you know, I was involved with a lot of things that people are real still today talking about. And it was an honor to be part of it, bro. I was having the time of my life. Uh, so to be put in the Hall of Fame, that makes it even much, even that much more better, man. Great. Well, I know you got to spend some time with your uh, lovely wife, so we'll get you out of yeah, here real quick. We got, we got some quick hits for you. Are you ready? Okay. Favorite cheat meal? Favorite cheat ribs. Mm. Good choice. Catfish. I got to say two things. I love fried catfish. All right. All right. That's a good choice. You've had a, a number of ring names. I'm just going to read some of them to you right now. Baron Samedi, the Godfather, the Good Father, Kama, Kama Mustafa, Papa Shango, Pimp Father, Rocky Las Vegas, Sir Charles, the Soul Taker. Which one of these is your least favorite? Oh, Good Father by far. Not <laughs> not even close. Good Father, not even close. Good Father. I- I'm guessing Good Father wasn't your idea. Uh, hell no, though. I hated that gimmick. No, Good Father was not. You have no idea how much I hated that where they took Godfather away from me and made me good father. Oh, I hated that. Oh, man. Well, well, that's good to know because I hated it too back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite moment, not as the Godfather in any other incarnations. I know you had a lot of fun uh, as a Godfather in the Attitude Era, but you know, as Papa Shango, maybe, maybe even as a good father. Were, were there any moments that kind of stick out to you? As a wrestler? Yeah, just uh, any any cool moments, like when you took the, the wristbands from Ultimate Warrior or just a particular match or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, there's You know what? I, I, I always like what, what's the – I think the people most bring up with me is making the Ultimate Warrior puke. <laughs> I remember that. And yeah. I think that is probably one of the – I mean, that is the, the question that I get it more than anything is you made the ultimate warrior puke because everybody was kids at the time. And I get that's the biggest thing, probably. What's the best piece of advice you give any wrestler trying to get on the come up right now? You know what? It's been so long since I've been out of the game. I don't really watch much wrestling anymore. I respect the business. I love the business. The business made me a lot of money. But uh, I'm just gone in a different direction. So, man, you know, and things are so much different with social media now and all, you know, that, Things have changed from when I was there, so I wouldn't really know what, man, what, what you do, get out there, get as many matches as you, as you can, don't worry about what you get paid, work, drive, get there, work as much as you can, man, and hopefully somebody notices you and you get in. Now, you were a really athletic big man, and, and to to that point, you, you don't watch as much, and you, you're you happy where you're at right now. You were an athletic big man. You didn't do anything too crazy, but you were a fun performer to watch. You see a lot of big men these days 
uh, do a lot of crazy moves, and, and it's really impressive. But you know, at the same time, you know, there are risks with that, and you know, if you do too much, sometimes you know, it, it may not mean as much. Uh, do you have any specific advice, at least to to big men? Well, to big men, you know, that's their call. When I got into the business, I told a lot of people, "Hey, I'm not getting out. I'm 58 years old right now, and believe me, I look decent." <laughs> and uh, I tell people, "I'm not getting into this business to be 60 years old and a cripple." And so, and from the very start, when I was Papa Shango, I got into business to entertain them, not to become a world-class wrestler. They got enough of those. So these big guys, actually the wrestling that I see these days is all small guys doing like a hundred thousand moves in one match. But, uh, so I don't see too many real big monsters like we used to have, but the ones that are, they better watch it because it'll take a toll of their bodies later on in life. Definitely some good advice from one of the greats. Godfather, we really do appreciate the time. Before we let you go, where can fans find you online? Man, you know what? I just, my old behind just got going on Instagram, and I got verified on Instagram as The Godfather. So I actually got that verified as The Godfather, and I'm on Facebook as The WWE Godfather. And that's really me. So if you guys reach out to me, have some questions, I'm just learning how to do everything, so I'm posting a lot of pictures, and uh, I'm going to start putting some videos on there. But get a hold of me, man, and I'll holler back at you.